WNBA Nation, hello and welcome to another finals edition of the show. We are through the first two games. The first tour in Phoenix is done and dusted. We head to the Windy City for game three in front of a packed out wind trust crowd, which apparently is going to include the Obamas, which is kind of sick. Uh, but we're, we're obviously gearing in for that. I'm Steve Schwartzman. I'm here with producer extraordinaire Jason Snow. Jason, how be? It is fantastic, Steve. Uh, I missed most of the game Sunday. Obviously, I've, I've watched a good majority of it now. But just sitting down and watching that game last night was so much fun. I'm so hyped for these two teams. And I really think that a lot of times when you get to this situation, the game three, it's obviously important because then obviously you've got the winner go home. But I think this game actually means more than the average game three. And, and we'll get into that. But I'm so excited. Friday night's going to be fun. And uh, yeah, I'm having a good time. How are you doing, Steve? Oh, I'm swell. This was uh, a really fun night. Uh, the the most recent night, of course, of basketball. Um, you know, the finals is always a good time. But this this year is so packed with stories and narratives and moments. And then just as soon as you think you've caught on to all those stories and moments, Sophie Cunningham and Kalia Copper are like, but talk about this. Uh, which we're going to dive into uh, as we hit game two, because they, they became my favorite thing to watch. Mm-hmm. Um, but as we hit on, we have two finals games to dive into. That all said, I do want to really quick give a shout out. We 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 want to mainly make this a review for the finals, but we did have some, some awesome news coming in. Congratulations to Nisha Wright, the new head coach of the Atlanta Dream. Of course, Denise, you're right. Uh, most recently an assistant on the Aces staff, a 14 year WNBA veteran was uh, the starting guard for the 2010 champion Storm. This is a, a, a coach who's going to come in with a ton of player perspective, has gotten co-signing from all kinds of greats, um, seems to be someone who's going to connect really well with this dream roster that really needs a player centric coach. Very, very excited for this hire. I think this is going to be uh, end up being a very, very strong one for the dream. What are any immediate thoughts you had on the hire, Jason? Yeah, obviously, I think that Atlanta is a big job and there's a lot to work to be done there. We're going to go through once we hit off season, whenever that that comes up on us, depending on how long the series lasts, we'll go into more of some of the culture issues going on in, with the dream right now. That being said, to bring in someone from an organization who is putting together winning seasons regularly, obviously is a big, a, a big, you know, uh, it, it's a big op- opportunity for the, the dream to try to get some wins, to try to change some things. So I'm curious to see, this is obviously the first of what I think are going to be several off season moves for the dream. Uh, but I think it's a good one. I, I think that this has a lot of promise and it'll be exciting to see Tanisha as she, she takes on this role of head coach, how she's able to fare. 100%. I, I, I mean, I think the acumen is definitely there. Um, you know, being able to coach under the tutelage of Bill Abbeerzo is a plus. And uh, I think there's a lot of, of hype coming in for this because uh, a lot of people are connected with this individual and know exactly. Um, there, um, Lady, Lady Blue Flame in our, um, 
in our chat here on Twitch, which checks out live on Twitch. If you haven't yet, if you're listening to this on the pod feed, we're, we tend to do these live on the Twitch feed and we would love to, to have some extra time with you, but makes the point that obviously Atlanta has a lot of questions from here. This is not a cure all. Um, you know, one of the next big questions, what is the dream going to do with Kennedy Carter? Uh, what's the fallout going to be with moving on from Courtney Williams and company? How's the restructuring of this roster going to look? Is ownership investment still going to stay strong? There's a lot of questions for the dream to answer, but they address the need, which technically is an over year long need, uh, because their last hire was technically interim. Uh, but yeah. they answered a, a year long need of, of head coach and it really feels like it's a positive one. That said, Jason, before we jump into the games really quick, um, would you like to give us a quick rundown, let everyone know where they can find the show and how to connect with us? Absolutely, Steve. If you want to watch the show live, you can do so on Twitch. That's twitch.tv slash WNBA Nation. We record all of our episodes live on there so you can interact with us, throw us some comments, uh, and, and really just enjoy the show in a whole new way. As always, if you want to connect with us on social media, it's at WNBA Nation Pod. You can find us on Twitter and on Facebook at that handle. If you want some merch, you can go to storeenvy.storeenvy.com. Uh, you can check out some of our shirts and stuff that we've got going there. And last but not least, if you have the chance, uh, we highly recommend you subscribe on whatever pod grabber you use. And if you happen to subscribe to us or have access to Apple Podcast, that's a great place. If you just go in there, give us a five-star review. That is the appropriate number of stars. Any less, we do not appreciate. Uh, but we do appreciate the five stars. And uh, <laughs> if you write us a review, we will read those live on mic as part of our show. We'll give you a little shout-out, and we always appreciate that. Obviously, I'm teasing, but five is the appropriate number. And, uh, yeah, that's the rundown. We appreciate all the support from everyone. I love that. Five. That's, that's what we're looking for. <laughs> uh, don't want three. We need five. But... Um, thank you so much for that one, Jason. Let's dive in. Again, we are two games into this WNBA Finals. We stand at a series record of one and one. The Chicago Sky take game one on Sunday evening on the road in front of a packed red hot Phoenix crowd, uh, 77 to 91. Um, this was one that Phoenix got hot pretty darn early. They were looking very strong. Uh, I believe they had as much as a nine point lead, maybe a 10 point lead. I'd have to look at the play by play again. Uh, but Chicago, uh, late the second half switched gears on this one, uh, ended the half on a huge run and seemingly didn't look back. They were in control. Uh, they're the, everyone was filling the role really well. Um, you, you know, you go up and down the stat sheet, you can see that it was very much a, a balanced, Set up for the entire roster. Uh, of course, Kalia Copper uh, dropping 21 and 10 was the, was the star of the night. Vandersloot with a double-double as well. 12 points, 12, uh, 11 assists. Uh, but overall, a really strong night uh, for the Sky. We turn things over then Wednesday. We get an extra day layover for Phoenix, and it pays off for them. They get a five-point overtime victory uh, to take this one. Um, this was just... Another classic. This reminded me of Game 5 in the semis uh, that we just barely talked about because it was just punch after punch after punch. It just who is going to land the final blow was really the question. Um, you know, you had P 
Penny come in and make a huge moment. You had Copper with the the and one to, to close to end regulation. Vandersloot with the absolutely clutch layup. Just felt like there was play after play, and then finally Phoenix took control in overtime to even up the series as we head to Chicago. All of this lead up is to ask Jason, what are the biggest differences you can surmise between game one and two to give us an idea of how we saw such different results? Uh, if I'm going to highlight two differences, um, Brittany Griner going 20 and six in game one, followed by 29 and nine in game two. I think that her stepping up, even though she had a good game one, I felt like she did make maybe that extra bit of difference in game two. And then the other thing is the ability of Chicago to spread the ball. In game one, they had six players with 10 points or more. Game two, they had three, I believe. Let me scroll up and make sure that that's correct. Um, four. They had four. But the ability to spread out the ball and get points, uh, get a lot of points from, from various players was a big thing for Chicago in that first game. So I felt like... Phoenix's defense stepped up, uh, maybe throttled a few more of the Chicago players than, than they had experienced in game one. And I feel like Brittany Griner really stepped up. And so, um, as has been the key pretty much this whole postseason, Brittany Griner, when she's on, no can defend that. It's just, she's too good right now. She's playing too well. Yeah. Yeah. I stole your line, Steve. Sorry. Uh, yeah. Little, little Miyagi love. I love it. No, it, it definitely, um, I think it, Griner right now to me is, is the runaway favorite for finals MVP. Obviously should mm-hmm. Phoenix take this because she obviously was consistent and kept things within reach in, in game one in game two, there was seemingly no answer for her. Uh, if you could give her any open space and get the ball into her under the basket, there was just no answer. She scored 29 points. I honestly thought she scored over 30. I was sincerely shocked because she looked that strong. Mm-hmm. I believe she scored Phoenix first 10 points of the day of the day. Yeah, it was something um, like that. Yeah. And yeah. And so it, it was one of those things where she was completely on point. Uh, obviously, uh, D drops 18 in the second half to finish with 20 points, mm-hmm. had some, some key shots on her own, but I've got to give a lot of credit to on, on the night to the return of Sophie Cunningham. Yeah. Stat-wise, you're not going to see it. Nine points, five rebounds, decently strong for 29 minutes. But you were able to do two things really effectively. One, I like moving Petty back to the bench. I like her kind of being a squad on the bench because now Petty has space to come up, still get 20-plus minutes, drop 10 points, move the ball, and be effective uh, in her own right. And I really did enjoy that and, and appreciate that as a whole. Um, but... The other side of it, as I turn off a video yet again, was Cunningham has an innate skill that only so many players have, and it's finding a way to get under the right people's skin. Mm-hmm. And her tug of war with Kalia Copper throughout the night, uh, whatever side you're on there, you're allowed to be. But I think it did enough to, to give Phoenix a bit of an edge there and not even to say that copper didn't have a really off night. You would say she went seven for 14 from the field. She dropped 15 points and nine rebounds, but there were definitely those moments where you would expect her to take over and convert and Cunningham found a way to get under her skin. Uh, her energy, her attitude was, was huge in, in helping see pretty much the rest of that roster convert and convert really well. Um, again, I loved seeing what Petty threw off the bench but then as you look at Chicago, I think that their second squad really kind of is the answer. One huge boon for them 
in game one, you had plus 12 out of Dulcich. She drops 14 points off the bench. She has 17 extremely quality minutes. And you didn't really have that answer coming off of the bench uh, uh, after game two. Uh, DeShields had some tough moments. Statistically, she didn't do well. She did have some good defensive stops. She played with really good energy. She was a really strong asset for them in the second half, but didn't quite convert offensively to the two to two points. And Dolson didn't quite look as effective on the scoring front either. And, and Chicago needs that answer. Uh, they, they need someone firing the, uh, on, on all cylinders off of the bench for them to be as dangerous as they can be. Mm-hmm. Per my view. Yeah, no, you're 100% right. I think one thing I'll just throw in, you you kind of covered this, but another factor to talk about is when you're going into what is looking to be likely a five-game series, if, if I'm to give a prediction, um, which also cuts against my previous predictions. But anyways, um, the high-energy defense that you're seeing from Shea Petty can really get under a player's skin after a few games. And I think that... Phoenix right now is playing more aggressive defense than I'm seeing out of Chicago. Chicago's got some good defenders, but I, I feel like that high energy defense is coming from, from Phoenix. And there's a reason that the, the often disproven phrase defense wins championships exists. Part of it is because defense lasts longer, I think, than offense. Offense, you go on fits and spurts, but defense, you can, you can have good defense the whole game. And with that being the case, I, I, I think that that's going in Phoenix's favor right now. I, I totally feel you there. Um, definitely credit can go offensively in terms of Cunningham dropping, you know, nine, you know, she went three for four from deep um, and very pivotally timed shots. I think she mm-hmm. played extremely well as far as that's considered. Um, we already talked about uh, Tarasi and, and, you know, she now went home with what appears to be a 3d printed goat ball, <laughs> whatever that trophy was. Uh, and I actually loved her quote about that. I don't know if you'd saw that, but she specifically was like, I kind of think this go to word is stupid, but I'm mm-hmm. glad to take it. And, you know, glad fans voted for me. Um, but I, you know, I thought that was an interesting sentiment, but she's, you know, we've, we've had a very fun se- series. If you are Phoenix, we'll start. Um, if you're heading to Chicago, you're heading on the road. The Winchester Arena is sold out for Game 3. We've seen that. You can't get a ticket. You can't hang from the rafters. It's going to be hard for you to pull that off. Um, you know, if you're looking toward that and, and you know, if you're heading and trying to face that, try to upset Chicago on the road, get your home court advantage back and take control of this series. What does Phoenix need to do on the court to make that happen? A lot of what they did last night. We've already complimented them. Uh, center your offense around Griner. Griner has yet to be shown that she can be stopped. And as such, I, I, w- I would keep leaning on that um, as long as you can. And then complimenting that with Cunningham and DT from behind the arc, uh, you know, getting you those threes that are just kind of uh, motivation killers. Really, for me, the key to Phoenix, and this goes for game three, but, you know, uh, into the series, is just get back to Phoenix. I, I, I genuinely don't believe Phoenix will be able to be beat in that arena. One thing that we didn't really touch on, Phoenix was loud. The 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 X Factor, the Mercury fan base, whatever they, they call themselves, that was an impressive and intimidating place to play, especially the, the game last night. Uh, there were multiple times that the announcers were talking about how players couldn't hear whistles and stuff. You put Phoenix back in that environment, and I think they win the trophy. And so that being said... You just need one out of the next two. So get your head on, take the momentum from last night, win game three, 
and uh, and you're putting yourself in a really good spot to to win the the series. And I almost wonder if obviously win game three is the ultimate result, but is it also just do enough in game three that if you don't win, you have the confidence to take game four? Yeah, because because you wonder if the raw environment of having a first finals game in, in seven years or so in Chicago is going to, to really be there for game three. And you might hope that it settles a bit in game four and that helps you on your composure end. So obviously you'd like to win this one, but if you don't at least present yourself in a way that it works for you, because I do agree. I think, you know, the mercury, uh, that, that X factor crowd was a huge boon for them in game two. There was a lot of comments on like, couldn't hear whistles. We couldn't hear this because everything was moving you had freaking, uh, you know, Devin Booker doing the wave, pulling out his <laughs> Nikon digital camera out of nowhere. I mean, it was yeah. it was an interesting night. I haven't um, seen those things for like a but, decade. That was a surprise. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe they're bringing it back. I don't know. Who knows? But <laughs> um, I expect Chicago to really match potentially up in that in game three. Like this feels like an event. Yeah. Uh, coming up. This game really, really feels pivotal. And I think for, for Sky fans, they're almost seeing this as like a seminal, like a, a really cemented moment in their franchise history. Uh, you know, a, a huge, huge icon making moment potentially for Candace Parker, a perennial elite star level making moment for, for Courtney Vandersloot. There's a lot that's coming out of this evening and it'll be interesting to see where that, that plays out. And how that sticks for Phoenix, for me, I, I'd like to see a little more efficiency out of David Smith. She had ignite two on a double double. She was 12 and 13. Mm-hmm. Uh, so obviously she played it well in a lot of different stretches. Five for 18 for the field is concerning. Um, and I, I'd like to see her put herself in a situation where she can take just to shoot more consistently in better situations. But the other side of it is, uh, find a way to slow Vandersloot down and, and not let Courtney really get um, your goat in some ways because, you know, Sloot ended the night, I believe, with six steals. Sorry, that's turnovers. Five steals. Mm-hmm. Still very impressive. Yeah. Um, and obviously, pivotal point at the very end of the game, I mean, she, she dropped 20 points. She very much looked like the star of that club last night. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know, that is the matchup to me that could end up being the impotence between who's taking this trophy home. Yeah. And, it, you know, if I'm Skylar Diggins Smith, I, I'm looking at my shot selection. I'm focusing on defense. I'm finding a way to nullify that weapon even a little bit mm-hmm. so that it gives us an edge. And I think that's going to be interesting. Whether or not that'll happen in Chicago is foretold, uh, yeah. you know, or, or will be told. Um, but yeah, that's. You know, it's definitely going to be an interesting and dynamic matchup. So, If I can throw out one more thing in there, I, I like your call out on Sloot. I, th- I Yo. think you're 100% right there. I also think Phoenix did get lucky last night in that at least four times that I can remember off the top of my head, Quigley got the ball from three with no defender within 10 feet. And she still went three for 12. You don't get that out of Quigley night after night. Yeah, that, that's a good call. That's out. going different. Next time you get on the court. So you've got to have somebody in Allie Quigley's face because I mean, nope. just rewind and watch any of the, the three point contests from the last few years. And you'll know that you cannot just leave her open yeah. at the arc. And by the way, it still almost bit you because that three for 12 started as a one for eight. Yeah. So, you know, she went two for her last four. She, she was able to hit some pivotal shots when needed there at the end. Um, but that's a player that if you allow her to get hot, 
early. If you were to start start seeing some nylon early in the game, boy, are you digging yourself a quick hole. Yeah. That's going to be a really tough one to get out of. Um, this will be another fun night for for Quigley as well. I, there was a really interesting article, I believe, that came out of the Chicago Times that talked about the basketball legacies of Candace Parker and Allie Quigley. Uh, people talked about how they, they graduated right at the same time, and they both have very high esteem as legends in the high school basketball community. Um, a lot of people considering Candace obviously was, was number one at the time. And in a lot of ways, Quigley was number two coming out of Juliet. So mm-hmm. it's, uh, it'll be an interesting night for both of them. And I think you'll see some energy and some boon there, but, um, you know, it just really builds this, this narrative and this strength. I would also say with Phoenix's end, they had a lot of cases where, um, they lucked out in just in terms of, there was a long stretch where they were ready to cut deficits down to one score and they wouldn't convert mm-hmm. and the sky just weren't able to extend leads on them. And yeah. uh it's one of those cases of you just can't expect night after night for, for that to keep happening. You need to be crisp. Yeah. You need to move the ball. I think a lot better than you have in a lot of cases. It's interesting that they only ended the night on uh with 12 turnovers. I really expect that to be a higher mark. Um But uh it, when you're in that situation, if you're down to a team like Chicago, you're if you're able to close out those deficits, you need to attack on them. You're not going to be given as many chances as you were on on Tuesday night, but you know that's that's the breaks of it, I suppose. It uh, obviously was a good matchup, but all things said and done, I think we'll, we'll cut right to the quick of it, Jason. Do you have any thoughts on how you expect Game Three to go? I don't know if we want to get final predictions or just. How are you I, seeing that pounding down? Yeah, I mean, I'll I'll, I'll give a prediction on, prediction on Game 3, because my Game 4 prediction is going to be heavily influenced by how Chicago shows up at home, how the, the fans show up, uh, how into it the Obamas are. I mean, all those things play a factor in my mind. That means... That's a huge... The keys... Jason's keys to the game. What are the Obamas... Like, like, how into it are the Obamas? Are they really into it? So that's going to help you out. If they're not as into it... Uh, so... I'm, I'm not, not going to lie... If if there's a moment where they cut up to the Obamas sitting in the in the stands and they're sitting there like on their phones just scrolling through like Instagram, not a good sign for Chicago. That that is that's a bad omen. Um I don't expect that. But to give a prediction on this game, I think that I think that Chicago had enough of an off night in terms of their their bench scoring and in terms of Quigley being able to to get the percentage of threes that she's going to get on on the average night, and being at home, this being an event, I think that that they're going to be hyped for this game. I see this one going to Chicago. Yeah. I think it's going to be hard fought, uh, but but I see this one going to Chicago. Probably it, it'll be close through the whole game, and it'll get a little bit further away at the end. Maybe about a six or seven point differential, you know, in the last minute or two. Yeah, this is a hard one to diagnose because you definitely have players in Phoenix who are motivated at quieting up crowds. Yeah. And that's something we've seen them do in this setting. They did that in Seattle and you could tell it was a lot of fun for them. Um, but, uh, it really feels like the narrative is there for Chicago to make this happen in game three. Uh, and like I said, I feel like with Phoenix's run, they're going realistically. If we can get out of this trip with one win, it puts us obviously in the driver's seat because it pushes a game five, but it's a tough call. You know, it's a tough case for, um, as you, as you really look at it and think it through, it's a tough case for, 
um, how game three is going to pan out, but I very much feel the same way. I think the momentum is going to be there for Chicago. The one thing that does make me curious, we've talked a lot about travel and, and scheduling and how this works. It's so peculiar to me that we had an extra day layoff for the second <laughs> Phoenix game, but yeah. we're only getting one day off on a travel day. It's, it's, it's just a curious case to me of why did we get the extra, like the three day stretch when we're not changing cities? I'm assuming it's network oriented. It's ESPN setup. And that, that again, of course, really stinks. Um, but does that change the structure for either team? Now, obviously, both teams you would assume are affected equally from this. Um, we'll have to see how that that anticipates. It sounds like there's uh, charter accommodations that are being provided for team teams for this event specifically. This move over to Chicago, which is definitely needed because if they were under the public system, they may end up having to walk. A lot of people are getting <laughs> flights canceled. Yeah. Uh, DFW, I heard uh, right around your corner, completely closed. Yeah, for the day. No, that's a. Uh, you know, it's. Yeah, we we can get into that. We'll we'll have politics with Steve and Jason. We can get into to a lot of that stuff that's falling out. But yeah, no, it it's it's no good, and and it it should be an example of why we need teams to be able to charter the whole season. Uh, there's yeah. apparently layers to that that I didn't even know because I saw some tweets going around among owners that apparently they're not allowed to to charter flights for their teams even if they want to. So. Um, hopefully that'll all be worked out. Um, there's, there's more, uh, collective bargaining agreements in the future and stuff, but that's just absurd to me that, that we're still relying on, yeah. you know, Oh, did you, did you check in 24 hours in advance? Cause we're on a Southwest flight and you want to make sure you get to pick your seat like that. That should not be something that these professional athletes are dealing with. Yeah. Like is it, I, I'd really like to eat, but the line at Cadoba is too long. And so yeah. I'm not going to be able to eat till I get to the arena. It's like, this is weird weird and backwards yeah, treatment that, and especially when they set it up to where you only get one travel day you got an extra day to i guess to chill in phoenix uh but you, you didn't have that extra day when you were heading cross country it's a it was an interesting yeah. case and i hope I, that i hope they're able to smooth these things over in the future obviously and 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 it looks like those talks are happening um but a lot of talks have been happening. This is one that just needs to be fixed. Yeah. I, I will say just to, to kind of wrap that portion up in terms of the quick turnaround, obviously you've got essentially, tw- you know, 48 hours to travel and play basketball. To me, yeah. that leans towards the home team because they're more fa- familiar with the facilities. So for their ability to show up in Chicago and immediately be in preparation mode, I think is going to be quicker than Phoenix. I think Phoenix, there's some, what facilities do we have? What, what equipment do we have access to? All those different things well, and, that they're not as familiar with. So I, I say that it would and, favor Chicago in that sense. And you still get to go home. Uh, you yeah. would assume most players, not all players, but many players, ha- their home is going to be there. So they're able to actually go to their home or at least their long-term residence as opposed to stuffing up into a, into a hotel room. So you still get that opportunity and that feeling. It's still a warm, experience and you may not have to stuff onto a bus uh and deal with it in, in in that context so i mean there definitely is that advantage there uh but it'll be interesting to see how that plays out because a lot of people wanted to play that card after game one mm-hmm. uh and so we'll see how that goes but uh yeah I, I you know i see chicago taking this as well but we'll just have to see how the fallout of it pans out but very excited uh very you know it's very exciting stuff this is uh the series is turning out to to be all kinds of, of of dramatic we'll see 
I think it'll go five. It sounds like Jason, you think it's going to go five. Um, I've also been sh- surprised before. <laughs> so who knows, uh, exactly how it's going to happen, but, uh, be sure to tune in to game three Friday, the 15th, not the 13th. I almost said the 13th out of habit, but Friday, 7 PM, which I believe is nine Eastern. Uh, it's seven, the time that I'm sitting here, but nine Eastern it's on ESPN two, which is dumb. <laughs> uh, but it is on ESPN two. Uh, that's their new slogan. Um, but that's where it is. So be sure to check that out. Have some fun. Our plan is to be back here post game to talk about game three. If we run into another snafu scheduling wise or whatnot, we'll try to get into it Saturday. We'll do our best to get something to you soon. But in the meantime, stay connected with us. Let us know what we can do to make this uh, a great experience for you. But until all of that, as we continue to run through these WNBA finals, thank you so much for joining us for this quick episode of WNBA Nation. I'm Steve Schwartzman. I'm Jason Snow. We got you next time.